to Irreverent Testimony, brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by and for millennial and Gen Xer types from a left-wing perspective. It is Saturday, May 18th, 2019. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. And uh, we have a very special guest with us today that Rachel will introduce. Uh, we have my very dear friend, Emily, um, who is... Uh, extraordinary person who does a lot of movement work out of Standing Rock and Ferguson. And um, I asked Emily to come on the show this week because I felt like um, with everything that's been going on with the, the, the news, I needed to talk to somebody that also had a uterus. So welcome, Emily. Hello. <laughs> uterus says hello to you. Um, so I guess... That's where I want to start this week is, are you okay? Because <laughs> I don't feel like I'm okay. No. 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 The world is blowing up in exponential ways, and uh, it's ter- terrifying. Yeah, it is. Um, It just felt like an onslaught, like just this like punch after punch after punch in the face all week, um, and I just couldn't get past it I couldn't find my way out of it you know I mean being a lady is always hard but this week just felt really overwhelming and really just like how much do they actually hate us you know yeah yeah and I mean I I feel like um with the legislation that's in five states and counting now like there's this sort of um I don't know, I don't want to say domino effect, but, you know, it's obviously an orchestrated thing that I don't, you know, as a human rights activist for a long time, abortion rights are very important to me, but I would say they, they haven't been my focus for the 25, 30 years I've been doing some work. Um, I went to Catholic school and and like, yeah, my views have changed a lot over time, but um, it, it just feels like an assault and a war with these battles and like maps and you know oh there went another state you know and and um it's really scary and in in missouri um we have one clinic that actually provides abortion services along with all the other amazing health services that planned parenthood um provides one in the whole state in the whole damn state it's in st louis um, and I just, I use profanity, but I understand that that's okay. Yes, so I will. yes, you're welcome to. <laughs> All you want, let her rip. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's irreverent, right? Yes. Um, so, yeah, we have one space, and every day, every day, there are protesters with horrible signs, and, and you know, I have friends locally here in St. Louis who volunteer as escorts to, to get folks in and out of the clinic safely and walk through this gauntlet of horribleness that, you know, people are familiar with, right, when we think of of, yeah. of yeah. the debate, right? But it just, it's a whole other level of, okay, we only have one effing clinic in the whole damn state anyway, and all week, they have been receiving hundreds and hundreds of calls from women saying, is it illegal now to, to have an abortion in Missouri, right? right? Like the people that are providing all these amazing services, in addition to providing abortion, which is an amazing service. Yes. Um, that's what they're bogged down with, right? And, and and there's a call to Jefferson City, which is our capital, and like, you know, buses leaving every four hours. And it just, the upheaval that it creates 
in a world where things are already on fire is just, it's overwhelming. Yeah. It is. It absolutely is. Well, I, I'm just going to jump in real quick. I, I really don't want to monopolize too much of this discussion. But you bring up an interesting point, Emily, in that, like, why now? Like, certainly these many of these states were, had, were under complete Republican tr- control for years now, if not decades. Yeah. And the simple answer is because they got Kavanaugh on the court. Yep. And they, they think they can get it all the way to the Supreme Court, and they think they'll have the votes to overturn Roe v. Wade. Now, that... I don't think it's going to be one big giant decision. I think it's going to be death by a thousand cuts uh, the way they do this. And eventually it'll be some, some of there's there's all a bunch of cases I think are going to come up and some they'll refuse to hear some they'll they'll strike down and then maybe one or two. Well, yeah, we'll let this one go. Right. Mm-hmm. And th- and that's kind of how it, I don't think it's going to be one grand. Oh, we're overturning Roe v. Wade. All bets I, are off. I don't know. I I, that's what I thought for a really long time um, with all of these like religious freedom bills and like, you know, the the, um, you know, we have to expand the hallways and like all of that bullshit stuff that was coming out. The tarp laws um, was death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. And right now it feels like they're like, fuck it. Let's just overturn Roe v. Wade. And the um, there was a state senator out of I think it was Alabama who said explicitly or maybe it was Georgia I think it was Alabama said explicitly this is intended to go to the court to overturn Roe v. Wade we are making this law so extreme that it absolutely will make the court have to say yes or no on Roe v. Wade and so I I, I don't know anymore if it's death by a thousand cuts I think they want to overturn fucking Roe and they're going to do it now before 2020 before they think they're going to lose the presidency they've got the court they wanted and I think they're just going fuck it well and I think you know much like my uh, increasingly radical, progressive, you know, again, I've come a long way since I was born <laughs> and it's always further to the left. Um, but, but, you know, it's, it's what we say in, in, in our work, it's by any means necessary, right? So it's probably a death of a thousand cuts and it's probably also these strategic coordinated missile strikes, you know, and I, I hate to communicate in this horrible military sort of like, jargon but that's that's the only way that i can wrap my brain around it is to think about it that way right that's how it feels Um, it's how it feels and and like it's interesting you mentioned the the senator or whichever um legislator and i don't know whether it was alabama or georgia either but i've been reading a lot here and there a friend of mine a very good friend of mine he's a medic um does does work in ferguson and other other places here in st louis um posted something yesterday the day before that perhaps effing robertson was like i think <laughs> this legislation in alabama has gone too far and yeah. like i'm like oh my gosh even pat but you know what like if you read what he actually said and yes. i'm not advocating that anyone read pat robertson anything quite <laughs> frankly, but he's absolutely right like is this the hill you want to die on if you're going to overturn roe v wade at the supreme court level do you want this crazy ass legislation out of alabama or georgia whichever one it is or missouri kentucky you know like and and it's a crazy ass question but that's that's to me indicative of, of the war that we're in it's like we aren't necessarily rational but we you know we we're gonna do whatever the f we can and we're gonna we're gonna gum up the system so that meanwhile you know we're at war with 
Iran and I it's just fucking crazy you know right I mean I think that's exactly right what he said everyone was like oh even Pat Robertson thinks it's extreme and it's like no 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 that's not what he said no he loves it but he but he's like strategically from a court perspective it might not work this might be too much for the court this might be the thing that the court goes yeah nope that's not that's too much that's too much you hand to me and you make us make a decision on it then okay and and from that perspective i agree with pat robertson like no let's i mean no i don't agree like tell people this but like i hope to god the craziest piece of legislation ever passed is what hits the supreme court so they have to like you know make some decision that that makes So they have to actually grapple with what we're talking about. Right. Because what we're talking about is not about babies and life. It never has been. It never will be. And so if we're going to talk about what the right wants to do, which is brutal state control of women's bodies, then I hope that's the conversation we get to actually have. Because it's not about heartbeats. And it's not about fetal viability, and it's not about life. It never has been, and it never will be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and sometimes I'm speechless, and I'm speechless right now, so. I mean, right? I mean, it's just, it, it just yeah. isn't, and it never has been. Yeah. I think it's a, a dual part thing, right? I think part of it is just, like I said, the brutal state control of women's bodies, and this idea that you know, men cannot be punished for sexual violence, but women should be punished for having yeah. sex on purpose. And instead, men's ability to have sex is absolutely supplemented with Viagra and everything else. Not that I think that that's a bad thing, but like right. double standard and more than double because we're dealing in more than two genders these days. But like, um, I'm remind someone else said, um, like on Twitter, like, when we're talking about voter suppression and we're talking about, um, you know, there we're going for this being a woman who had a miscarriage is now a felony thing right? and stripping the citizenship of people with gay parents and all yes. of those things. They're all steps toward basically, and I'm, re, I'm quoting this, this is secret gamer girl, someone that, that I, yes. I ran into and they only straight white men are allowed to vote in our States. Like, right. <laughs> that's what we're moving toward with these right. crazy things, right? Yeah. I, can, I just want to jump in with something real quick. I remember, yeah. Emily, do you remember back in 2012, I think it was 2011 or 2012, like the whole Sandra Fluke thing and everything where, forget abortion, they were just, they were going after contraception. Mm-hmm. They they were like, we shouldn't, you know, it, contraception shouldn't be covered in, in insurance, period. Mm-hmm. And they had this like panel of 12 literally old men. To like yep. talk about on Capitol Hill and it just looked awful. And I, I for some reason, I, I don't know if I watched a clip or I tuned in to Hannity because he was talking about it because he was on the, you know, why should anybody pay for female contraception? Come on. Oh, yeah. I secretly <laughs> have a big crush on Sean Hannity's right. big blockhead. Anyway, so, so he had some guest on and the guest was like, well, Viagra's covered. And he, he kind of – he's quiet for a second. Like he hadn't like considered like this might be a counter argument, right? And then he's like, well, that's different. And they're like, why is that different? Because that's, yeah. a, a, that's a medical issue. 
correct. <laughs> as if as if a woman's reproductive system is not medical. It's it's black magic. You see, right? Yes. You 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 have you have a black uh, evil dark magic in your womb, and and we're all hysterical, and we're <laughs> all of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, contraception is not a medical issue. Abortion, reproductive services—they're not medical issues. They are—they are, they are harlot sex things. Harlot sex witches. Who <laughs> just harlot sex witch. Well, it's kind of hot when harlot you put it sex like that. Witch. I'm not gonna I mean, lie. I would describe myself that way. That's, um, yeah, it's kind of hot. <laughs> I need more harlot sex witches in my life. I love them so much. Um, no, I and mean, I think that's the other thing that we really need to boil it down to is that this is not just about abortion. Ultimately, right. this is about contraception. Um, you know, the Rick Santorums of the world used to seem really extreme. Um, but ultimately, like I said, this has never been about life. This has never been about babies. Um, this has always been about the controlling of women. And I think the what? other thing... To, that, that's been really like important to talk about is that like the language around reproductive rights needs to change and that's something that we need to talk about because men can also have babies um, <clears throat> trans men and non-binary people um, and I think we should use that inclusive language when we talk about abortion and reproductive rights and also I think that the the need for state control of women's bodies extends to those folks. I agree. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. And, and well, I say of course, but but you're right. Like the, the language we use matters because when we're not including those folks, then we're also, you know, doing all kinds of, of perhaps unintentional separating the issue that that it isn't a separate issue at all. And um, yeah. 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 I mean, the state doesn't distinguish between non-binary trans men and women. They just right. want to control women. Right. But um, when we talk about it, I think we should try, and I'm working on this, to do a better job of thinking critically about how we include those folks, because they are even more marginalized mm -hmm. than cis women. Mm -hmm. um, well, and I think that that's true. I mean, I don't want to get too general, but I think that's true of, of all sort of radical left movement work is that like it's 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 absolutely imperative that we include those who are most vulnerable who are most impacted and it's absolutely one of the hardest things i've ever tried to do and i've certainly haven't succeeded right. <laughs> you know and it probably won't in my lifetime because it is it is so hard to to um to focus on for example, trans men who are able to have babies, because then you are dealing with a political terrain that's even more complicated in terms of messaging, et cetera. But absolutely, the solution isn't not to do it. The right. solution is to do it and keep fucking fighting, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, it's really, really, really hard, you know? It is. I mean, I was just talking about this the other day. Like, as a white woman, I... I do my level fucking best to not be one of those white feminists. I do my level fucking best to decolonize my brain and decolonize myself and every day, all the time, use my privilege to dismantle whiteness and to dismantle this the privilege that I have. And I was talking to an indigenous person the other day and I was saying like, but I don't think it ever is possible. 
at least not in my generation. It's in there. It's ingrained. And so the best that you can do is try hard and be conscious and acknowledge mistakes and fucking listen. But like, I don't know that will we ever like truly be decolonized, you know? No, I don't think it's possible either. And I, and I think that, uh, um, I mean, it, it's interesting going back to what I said earlier a couple times about sort of going to Catholic schools growing up. St. Louis is actually a very Catholic town demographically. Like we have a huge number of Catholic high schools and it's this, this awful sort of classist thing that we ask each other, where did you go to high school? And if you're mm-hmm. talking about Catholic high school, it, it says something about whether you went to school with members of the opposite gender or not, mm. um, which, you know, what should I be saying? They're not opposite gender, other gender. <laughs> but right, right, right. It's that. And my parents um, were teachers in Catholic schools. And so not only was I a a student in Catholic school through high school, but I also kind of felt the. um, You had it at home, too. Well, I did. I had it at home. My my mom is is very, very Catholic. My mom goes to church every day when she can. My dad is actually not Catholic, um, but they agreed to raise their six kids in the Catholic faith. And my dad sort of defers to my mom. But but. What I'm getting at is that, like, how did my views on reproductive rights change over time? Because, of course, the first message or argument I heard was a very Catholic message that, you know, we don't, we don't like birth control. Abortion is, you know, horrible. And, and, and so a lot of times, especially when we're very young, we – we latch onto and don't necessarily question, and that's a whole other side of Catholicism. We don't question anyone, but um, but we latch onto and and more, more or less accept the first thing that we hear, which is not necessarily the most uh, well analyzed point of view or most right you know thing that ca- that makes us sort of think about it in terms of our own complicitness in a I just made up a word in in colonialism, etc. Right? Like when I was. Four, four or five, I knew what it meant to be pro-life because I went to church and we heard about it at the pulpit. And, um, and then I remember, this is so crazy. I remember talking, so I'm the third of six and, um, my younger brother, who's immediately younger than I am. Um, I was sort of like the family babysitter because this is the way things ages lined up. And, um, my immediately younger brother who shared the middle childness with me, at least that's what we like to say, uh, yes. but he's high and he's white. And, you know, so he's, I had it worse, you know, but, but he, like, I remember talking to him when I was like nine or 10, you know, little Emily is becoming an activist or whatever. I just probably needed to, to yell and scream because I couldn't get a word in edgewise with my parents. But like, I was like, Toby, oh my gosh, do you know what that's about? Like we're watching some news story or something on the news. And I'm like, they're killing babies. And I remember sort of like talking about abortion in these sort of Catholic, scary, scary terms with my little brother who would have been five, you know, and here I am the big sister. And of course, fast forward, my brother has three kids. I have none. And I know his views on um, abortion are actually quite definitely not the Catholic Church's view. I mean, he and his wife have made choices that will uh, prevent future future nieces and nephews, which is fine with me, but, um, and them. But, right. but I just think about that in terms of like how, where that starts and how powerful it is when you're a little kid. And then to move on through life, you know, if I didn't have this sort of black sheep, whatever you want to call it, like, 
need to question authority that, that I developed <laughs> by arguing with my father quite a bit when I was young. Um, God, like, we have so I, much in common. <laughs> I know. <laughs> We're such good friends. But like... <laughs> But like, what what would have caused me to think differently? Because in high school, you know, it, it was absolutely fine to have the pro-life club, but it was not okay to have um, a gay rights club, which we responded to by having one anyway that was not sanctioned by the school. It was great. Um, <laughs> wow, those are the best kind of clubs. I love I, you the most. But of course, at the time, I was like, oh, no, don't tell my parents. I'm going to get them in trouble and they're Catholic school teachers, you know, and and then we had like Amnesty International. So I've been a member of Amnesty for 25 something years, more than that probably. And like, I was a leader in my high school Amnesty group. Well, in 2007, I believe it was 2007, Amnesty finally took a, a, a strong position on women's rights that included abortion, right? Mm -hmm. And a long time before that, they would literally say like, we don't touch abortion with a 30 foot pole. Yeah. because we don't know whether we're going to lose donors or what. And finally they did. And literally our, our group was, was told like, okay, you can continue to have your amnesty chapter, but you cannot talk about this. And it's just like, well, it's all the same people that formed the underground gay rights club. And we're going to talk about it anyway. But like, I mean, that's right. crazy. Oh, and, and so I think about it in these different stages of my own development as a human being and, and these messages and how, insidious it can be but i'm sure you know the other side feels the same way about us which well, is why the terms like you know killing babies you well, know let, but let me let me chime in about that i i went to a public school in miami in the suburbs of miami and in the 80s and i remember my fourth grade teacher bringing up abortion in class and how terrible it was and, oh. and i don't know if the, the, it was some 2020 special on it or something yeah. And, and like none of it, we were all looking at each other like, what is this? What right. What is happening? And like the idea and, – and it was presented to us as some people just decide they don't want their baby and kill it. <laughs> right. We, yeah, no, literally. And, wow. and, and so I kind of went home to my mom and my mom is – like super, Lefty. you know, secular liberal, <laughs> and she flipped her shit. She's your teacher said what? Yeah, in a and, public and, school. How yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what happened. You know, if, if she made a call yeah. or what. I. But I hated this teacher, by the way, not for that, for a myriad, <laughs> a myriad other reasons. She's a very unpleasant teacher, and um, yeah, I, and then that was how it was presented. That was how people talked about it, like. You know, in the 80s, suburban Miami was still mostly white, pretty religious, typical like white suburbia. Mm -hmm. uh, not so much anymore now. Um, even, you know, it, it used to be in the 80s, you had white suburbia and then totally not white inner city, mm -hmm. uh, which is it's still that way in the South, most everywhere. It's that know. way in the I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is, isn't, but yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so. Like that is what we kind of thought until you got older enough to understand like, oh, sometimes pregnancies are unwanted and oh, you can terminate a pregnancy, you know, if you find out early enough after a month or two and like, you know, like, oh, things are complicated. <laughs> like as you grow up, you kind of like if you have common sense and you're not 
sort of religiously brainwash you're like oh, no it's way more complicated than that but that but the, but just going back to that crazy shit i heard in the 80s as a fourth grader like that's exactly what they're going back to they're they're, right. they're I, is standing in congress going and then they're like they're, let's take it a step further sometimes people birth their babies and then they they go and kill it in a special room and it's like what are you crazy people talking no. about i mean something was flying around with the idea that you know these these pro-abortion activists want to be able to murder children up to the age of two what right that's like literally out of a south park episode where there's yes. <laughs> well, but i think it's really important for us to acknowledge that the people who were given that kind of messaging like i remember watching that documentary jesus camp mm. right yes that, i think that's part of it yeah that when you grow up that way and you don't have access to critical thinking mm-hmm. um or don't develop it maybe a, you're homeschooled or whatever right we have to acknowledge the sincerely held belief that women are killing their babies. That is really like for not the politicians. I'm not talking about the people who are actually restricting abortion rights. I'm talking about the people who support them. And yeah. I think a majority of those people honestly and truly believe in their heart of hearts that abortion is murdering babies. Yeah. And if you can put yourself empathetically in their shoes... Can you imagine if you thought that there was a legal thing that allowed someone to kill babies? What would what lengths would you go to to make them stop killing babies? No, it, it, you're absolutely right. So so referring to my crazy Catholic big family again, you know, I have a sister who has 10 children Jesus. and she homeschools her 10 children. And she is literally two and a half years older than I am. And um I am absolutely certain that, and so, so you're absolutely right. Like we, we can demonize, I mean, I don't think we're, I don't think that's what we're doing here, but like, we can certainly be like, look at these crazy people that have these crazy views. And, and it's, I think it's important to take a moment to be like, wow, that's crazy. But then what, how do we really grapple with that? Right. I mean, cause, cause we're not going to win this fight by just saying you're crazy. And then they say we're crazy. And then there's, you know, it's just, So, so how do you grapple with that? And that's a really hard thing, right? So I'm not in good communication with my sister in part because her views are so extremely different than mine. And that doesn't mean she's a horrible person. She's a great mom. You know, her kids, I miss them terribly because I don't get to see them either, you know, but, um, but she is raising them with that belief because she sincerely believes that that's true. And in sheer numbers alone, like I am not going to birth children. I don't think I'm going to stop children or raise them in any other way because I just don't want to do that. So in sheer numbers alone, my sister and her husband and their kids are 12 people, you know, right? (laughs) like we have to figure out a way to have this conversation where people will listen and, and, and learn. And I don't know, that's something that's very, very hard for me to even think about in part because it's so personal. Right. But Mm -hmm. also because I get so angry and I go, my God, am I, (laughs) you know, I know me too. I mean, here's what I'm doing with my sister about this and I haven't changed her mind. So I mean, I, I think that's the, that's the fundamental issue that we really have to grapple with is there's two things here. One is that rich white men in power, have a lot of reasons for wanting to control women's reproductive systems, or I should say people who can have children's reproductive systems. Mm-hmm. Part of it's class. Um, if you can keep people 
poor and without choice, then it's a really easy way to control a population mm -hmm. of people, um, which we can get into, which is a huge part of it that we don't talk about. Part of it is about controlling people that they view as women's sexuality. Um, and, and then the other part is the folks that support them who don't have those necessarily like feelings, but honestly, truly in their heart of hearts, believe that we are murdering children. Yeah. And those are two separate things. And what those men in power have done really well is to create this idea that they also believe that we're murdering children and that they're going to be the solution to that and not exposing the sort of nefarious nature of why they want to do that. Yeah. And I think we have to deal with those two separate things separately. I think we have to figure out a way <clears throat> to talk to people who believe that we're killing babies mm -hmm. because we're not. And even, you know, even the term heartbeat bill, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. not a heartbeat. Right. Right. It's, it's not. I mean, and when you talk to OBGYNs about this, they're like, I, I say heartbeat because that's the way my patients can understand what I mean. My mm -hmm. pregnant patients who want to be pregnant. Yeah. Right. It's not a heartbeat. It's like a, a, a flash of neurological signal of where the heart will eventually develop. That's what it is. And the heart is not developed. It's a cluster of cells. Um, and so when we say heartbeat bill, people are like, oh, my God, it's developed enough to have a heart that beats. And you're like, yeah. well, no, I, mean, I mean, a fundamental basic understanding of human anatomy and reproduction is also a key thing here. Well, and those each word is, is strategically chosen no matter who is is writing the bill. Right. Whether it's a bill that we want to to enhance those rights or or the heartbeat bill to kill them. Um, you know, yeah. to kill the rights, right, kids. But like, you know, like, it, and that's that's politics. But yeah, and 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 even just like, you know, when Travis was saying that as he, you know, his story about being a fourth grader and 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 then learning later, you know, that it's more complicated. One of the things that I've been struggling with this week in particular, it's like, yeah, of course it's more complicated, but is it really that much more complicated? Because the truth is. Like rape, incest, medical emergency, all of these things, like it doesn't take hours and hours to actually understand those arguments. What well, it really, does for a kid. That's what I meant. Oh, for, oh, yeah, absolutely. No, and I wasn't I, I was not I was not sort of pushing back on what you were saying as much as it reminded me of of how we think about how to how to effectively debate these things. Right. So. Right. So it's nuanced. Absolutely. But is it complicated for adults? Mm. Okay. So let's think about like seventh grade comprehension, which is the, what the standard that we talk about for newspapers or whatever. No, I think, I think. Well, most what gets more complicated though, is that I, I despise having the abortion conversation around rape, incest, and the life yeah. of the mother, because that's not most abortions. Yeah. And it shouldn't be. As liberals, we've been tricked into this. Using thing like, that Oh, it's so narrative. extreme. It's not. And then, like, what, what are they going to do? Say, like, okay, well, I'll tell you what. We'll meet you halfway and, and we'll give exceptions for a rape and incest. And then it's like, and then we're kind of stuck with being like, well, well, that's what you were really mad about. So. Well, well no, but, like, I just don't want to be pregnant anymore. 
No, no, I agree. Right? And I think it's very important to, to say that I was sort of intentionally going through the bullet points of things. But you're absolutely right. well. This, and now you look at the legislation that's about to be signed in Missouri and has already been signed in Alabama. And it's, you know, we don't give exceptions even for these extreme situations right. that should not be the focus of the conversation. Right. And, and, right. and we have to point out how extreme that is. But it, right. it has shifted the dialogue in such right. to like it, in. it infers that okay well you know choosing to have an abortion for for what they call no good reason well that's off the table we can all agree to that but now right. well, let's have the discussion about rape and incest it's like no motherfuckers but we did no. that yes we, we did. capitulated we capitulated we because we said what about this what about that what about this instead of saying fuck you it's my goddamn body and i will have an abortion i will do whatever it is i want to do with it and it's not up to you we yeah. didn't do that the only ones we that said, have said that lately oh well Rachel, I don't know what you're smoking, but I mean, that we would actually tell women that they're autonomous is just people can't handle that no. argument. We didn't allow anyone to make it. Right. The, and, and so we never have made it. And now it's like, OK, well, here's where we are. Now we're moving. So the center is rape and incest. <laughs> and so now the right gets to take that over and say that's not the center anymore. And it's like that's never was the center. The center was women have autonomous they have autonomy over their fucking bodies. And yeah. we as as liberals as progressives as whatever failed we failed to make that the center is that women have autonomy over their bodies. And now here we are. And the last people to say it ironically I think was the Alabama Supreme Court was like I or, what state was it? I don't remember. But this just happened recently. Kansas? Yeah. I mean, Kansas, Kansas, Kansas yeah. Supreme Court just uh, made abortion a constitutional right in fucking Kansas. Of all places. Yeah, and they said unequivocally, like, no, abort- they didn't put any qualifiers. Yeah. Like, abortion is a right. It's decided law. Moving on. Women have autonomy over their bodies. Yeah. Well, so and this then- is... Go ahead. No, go ahead. Rub it. <laughs> um... Also, going back to, to what we said about the folks that are in the most vulnerable position, and so we are, we're, we've mentioned trans folks, it's also people of color. It's also, yes. you know, and I, 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 I in, in anticipation of, of joining you today, you know, one of my concerns was I wanted to make sure that I was very clear. I'm a white woman who's done some work in Ferguson, and right. um I am not in any way an authority on what life is like for people of color in my community or anywhere else. Um, but but that's another complicating factor, if you will, that like, okay, we want to talk about this, but have we lost track of, again, the most vulnerable folks are, are women of color who we all know that, that, that demographically and statistically, you know, uh, uh, Poverty impacts people of color in different ways because the system is so effed up, not in their favor. You know, so all of that, you know, and so so I think it it becomes this constant like consideration of like of of what we're talking about, who we're including when we talk about it. And then if and when we do that, how effective that is or is not. And then that's that's politics. But like it just. It, that is how that is how I've been overwhelmed this past week with like yeah. all these things that I'm, you know, I'm somewhat aware of. And, you know, but again, it's not like the issue that I necessarily have been working on exclusively for a long time. 
But like all of these things have just like come back together and I'm so, so angry. Like, right. And I think the really important thing is like in sort of trying to figure out what, what do we do now and how do we go forward? Yeah. Very unsurprisingly, I found that the two most effective abortion funding groups that exist in the U.S. are run by women of color. Mm-hmm. And have been um, for years. And um, there's been a lot of like talk among white women about, well, I'm going to start an underground railroad for people who need to get out of Alabama and I'm going to bring them here. And I'm like, OK, but stop. <clears throat> that already exists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's this group. Go donate to it. Go fund it. Go put your money and time and energy into a thing that somebody's already been doing for 20 years. That is, of course, as always in movement work, run by primarily women of color. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be the abortion fund. And then there's like really specific things like the Yellowhammer Fund um, in Alabama. Um, and then there's local groups. You can like Google your local group. But I would encourage people to really specifically not start their own movement, but just like get involved and support movements that already exist first. And second, that you're absolutely right. That like, not only does lack of access to abortion primarily affect, um, or, or more, more impact, uh, poor women and women of color, but that, you know, banning abortion isn't actually banning abortion that right. it's banning abortion for people who don't have the resources to do right. something else well it's banning safe legal abortion and right. for poor people and for right like for people who don't have resources mm-hmm. like the president's mistress is always going to be able to get an abortion safely sure right it's people who aren't those people. Well, not just the president, the the all the Republican rich white men's mistresses daughter. and daughters yeah. will always be able to get a safe and legal abortion. Well, not legal, but 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 uh under the table perhaps. Correct. <laughs> right. Well, they're right? not going to face any legal percussion. Or they just fly to Canada right. cuz yeah. they can afford to, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And then you got some like, you know, <clears throat> single poor woman in wherever rural place like can't afford to take four days off and a plane ticket and all the things, even to get out of her own state. And then Georgia further criminalized it by saying, if you leave the state to have an abortion, you will be held criminally viable as a citizen of Georgia, which is fucking crazy. Well, I I have hope that at least that piece is going to be struck down pretty quickly but it, i also it probably will but you know we we keep holding out with the with that like but you know they're stacking the courts with crazier and crazier people it's it's just a matter of time before a lot of this yeah. stuff sticks yeah like there's no doubt we are going down the path to gilead probably slower than margaret atwood um you know envisioned i don't know you it, read that book though and you're like you read the like the past parts where she's talking about the weird things that start happening, but she's not really noticing them because she's going through her average everyday life. And you're like, oh, that's happening to me right now. Oh, that's what's happening, right? Like, we're very well on the road to the fucking Handmaid's Tale. (laughs) Very well on the road. Yeah. 
I don't know. I think you're probably right, but I don't have a frame of reference for that particular thing i'm admitting my lack of pop culture so. <laughs> oh there's it's a book by margaret atwood that's one that's yeah no i mean i'm familiar with horrifying what it is. yeah i've never yeah it's it's yeah. great and i also started reading it um between the time that president trump was elected and that he was inaugurated um which was a very bad idea because uh, it caused me a lot of um anxiety and mental ill um <clears throat> but that was back then, and now I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> well, I can't even watch the show. Yeah, I can't basically, do I can't there, there's a big there's a big all. turning point in the story of the book where there's a very sudden sort of revolution and hostile takeover. But leading up to that, there's all these little pieces of normalization yeah. of yeah. these kinds of things: yeah, like, more oh, restrictions on abortion well, and restrictions on <laughs> contraception. Well, and yeah, and my my lack of of full direct understanding of the story is not hindered. Like I know we've at, at the very least we've gotten some really good costumes for some really good street actions out of I know, that. Isn't it lovely? <laughs> I love them so much. Well, the, the really scary thing about the book, and, and it's been quite a few years since I've read it, so correct me if I'm wrong, is that the way she frames things politically, like, oh, this is bad, but, you know, it's it's not that bad. Okay, we, we can recover from this. At least we still have this, and at least... We well, she's sort of that. the like she's just sort of like the average woman raising a kid with her husband, and everything seems fine. And these things are happening and happening in her like periphery, like yeah. oh, this thing is happening. That's really abortion, bad. But like, but I don't I gotta get need to, to have an abortion, and I gotta go to work. Yeah, and then well, like oh, they they don't want me to have credit cards anymore. Those are gonna be owned by my husband, and she's well, like, well, like, that's well, pretty fucked up. But like, at least I mean, I have milk. a husband, so yeah. as long as I can have access no, to my money, it's fine. Exactly how fascism moves forward. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm terrified, and I probably need to wrap up my time talking to you. So thanks. No, I'm kidding. Hey, you, you've you've discovered the theme of the podcast. Now I'm terrified. Because we're going to change it to now I'm terrified. Thanks, Trav and Rachel. You're not terrified yet. It's your problem because listen to this. Yeah. yeah, no, that's pretty. <laughs> much. Well, I, 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 if the ray of hope is that people like us are talking and doing, and you know, we aren't all sitting at our thing saying, "Oh, gee, that's bad," but I, you know, I can still get to work, so I guess it's okay. Granted, there are millions of people who are saying that, but look, we just had an election that was power that's the ironic part of this right we just had a midterm election that was very much powered by pissed off women and they may not have been specifically pissed off at the midterms about uh reproductive rights per se but oh boy if you think those same pissed off women that came and powered a blue wave aren't gonna still be pissed off at this shit or even more pissed off you know i mean you should see my feed whether it's twitter or facebook or instagram for fuck's sake there is nothing else in the world right now other than really, really angry people with uteruses talking about this. And, you know, I think maybe, I really do think politically, like, this is timed in a way that is specifically on purpose because mm-hmm. this is the last chance. It's sort of like, get the tax bill in, get Kavanaugh in, like, let's just do every, like, Trump's still the president, and Democrats look like fucking useless wasteland of nothing, so they're not going to impeach him, so let's just push everything through that we always wanted to do for the last 30 or 40 years while we have a chance. Mm -hmm. And we've already stacked the courts, which was the whole point of electing him in the first place. Right. And so let's just get it done, and fuck him. 
And, you know, I'm really afraid of my work, but I also think that to underestimate the rage of taking back the autonomy of female-bodied folks um, cannot be underestimated. Well, and and perhaps one of the last things I'll say then, because I, I have to run, is that, you know, one of the things that I'm seeing a lot in my own sort of regional community here in St. Louis, as this Missouri bill is probably going to be signed by the governor, um, you know, there's, I'm not going to name names, but there is a, a person in our activist circles who sort of, uh, they're everywhere. We're, we're like, they sort of find a way to center themselves no matter right. what the issue is. And this person happens to be a man, mm-hmm. um, and also a man of color. And so that makes it a little complicated when you want to sort of say, okay, hold on. Like, I want to listen to you, but you know, um, one of the things that this is someone who kind of likes to, uh, present himself as like the new MLK. I don't think he would actually use that phrase, but like sure. a lot of playbook stuff. And um, and I love MLK. Don't get me wrong, but like right. it's all of the the mainstream pop misunderstanding of MLK. Sure. Right. And, and right. in the body of a person who's literally lived in St. Louis for like three years, and like yeah. Anyway, but he said something like, "And we must not be violent." And I'm like, "Oh, you know, oh. like." Right. And I'm like, <laughs> this is violence. Sorry, I'm smacking my hands. And no, that's that. right, um, Emily. <laughs> this is already violence upon yeah, us. This is violence against me and everyone like me with a uterus or the capacity to, to bear children. And you are going to sit there and tell us what we need to do from some pulpit. He's also a self-appointed preacher. Um, and, and tell us that we must not be violent. Oh, hell no. And I, you know, it's only on social media, but I was like, sit the F down. Step because, the fuck back. Well, now it's also on a podcast. Well, good. I'm glad. <laughs> like if he hears it, he knows who I'm talking about and half of St. Louis will know too. And they'll be laughing. But I, I think that like, that's the point at which I go, uh Oh no, 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 no. Cause we are battling fucking fascism here. Yes. We are not talking about asking people to give us our rights back. We are talking about violence inflicted directly and indirectly on women, their children, their families, you know, which is bad yes. for everybody. And so do not tell us not to be violent. I'm not saying I'm going to go burn down something tomorrow, but like, how dare we leave those tools out of our arsenal? Because sometimes that's the only shit that works. And I do say that as somebody that has some, some boots on the ground experience in Ferguson, that is Ferguson reminded us of like, Hey, look, these are average people who have been out here for years complaining about the Ferguson police department and police in general in this part of the country. And look what we were able to create, at least in terms of, of, you know, an awareness that like, you don't have to be someone with a college degree or, or, or even, you know, uh, any, any movement, quote unquote experience, whatever, whatever sorting mechanism you want to have in your brain about who is effective in this work and who's not Ferguson called that into question successfully. Right. Yes. And so, so I will say like, we what we are saying is that this is a reaction to violence that already is existing. They have started, created and enacted the violence that we are now reacting to. Correct. So we did not start violence. We are reacting to we violence. Start the fire, Billy Joel. No, I mean, it's, it yeah. is it's exactly that. And, 
the idea that somehow we are going to be successful by asking or writing letters is is to me less and less um even realistic like and it's that's terrifying too right but i i have a really hard time with this idea that we're gonna sort of tone police or tactic police each other into Mm -hmm. how we deal with this when the people again with the greatest stake are women of color like yeah we need to be listening to those folks yes I agree. Million percent. In solidarity. Oh. All right. Well And I might have nothing to say, Rachel. Jeez. <laughs> I knew it not to be true. Well, you are welcome to come back and rant anytime. Awesome. Open Thank invitation. You both for for inviting me. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. You're the best. All right. Oh, All right. <laughs> have a great day, Emily. When we come back for the second half, we're gonna talk about well, more stuff, I suppose. I suppose. Okay. testimony it was great to have our friend emily on hopefully she'll be back yeah i think so anyway so some other stuff happened anything during the break that caught your eye you wanted to talk about first no um i mean we could just make the whole show about abortion we could that's that's fine with me i guess i do want to talk about this one thing and if you guys don't want to talk about this anymore you can just turn it off but this bill that's being proposed in Ohio is about ectopic pregnancies. <laughs> that's just insane. I and uh, the this dude, this white dude, old white dude, because of course, uh, put in the bill that there is some way to move an ectopic pregnancy from the uh, fallopian tube back into the uterus. Spoiler, there isn't. No. It's not possible medically at all ectopic pregnancies can be fatal for women I, I just I have like outrage fatigue like I'm just like I, I don't know how to exist in the world right now I just don't well, and like yeah first off that that one's not gonna pass <laughs> 
That's not. It's not going to get through one chamber of. But that's the where we are. State house. Like what? Well, the the my favorite part of that is that he's basing it off a hundred year old like quack doctor case study, not any sort of. It's a hundred years old and not even peer reviewed. It's literally a hundred year old case study that he came across <laughs> somewhere, that some you know, some doctor, a hundred years ago working by kerosene lamp. Uh, purports to have moved an ectopic pregnancy into the uterus to have a baby? That's not possible. That's not how it works. That's not how fucking... But I love that this the guy... Thing that it's just so fucking frustrating is like the severe and extreme lack of knowledge of the men that are passing these laws about how actual human reproduction works. Yeah, it's, it's shocking, right? It's shocking. Because like this guy couldn't be bothered to come across this... And, like, then Google, like, oh, is this true? And then, like, discover in 10 seconds, like, no, it's not. Um, he's just like, oh, well, then fine. Here's here's another way we can have more, Forced birth. More forced birth, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's shocking, but it shouldn't be. And, again, this is not anything that's going to pass. Um, I'm sure even his colleagues are like, just shut up, you idiot. Like, what the fuck are you even saying? So- <laughs> what? But like this, this, this is the thing that's so upsetting for me too. Is just like the the lack of understanding about how women's bodies work. It's like a and badge how of reproduction, honor for these people, right? Right. I mean, it's really, it's 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 really shocking to me, and it's also not shocking, and it's also really upsetting, and in a way that's like, if you actually do not understand how the female reproductive system works. And you have the power to legislate it. Um, that's a really dangerous combination. <laughs> yeah, you think? And like, I, I know saying that is like obvious, and I'm probably speaking into a void of people who agree with me. But like, it's really upsetting. Like, it's really upsetting. I, it, like some dude look, in Ohio said something about consensual rape. <coughs> like, there's just so consensual much consensual rape. Consensual rape. What is that? Yeah. What What does that mean? I think it was a miss speak he was listing a bunch of different rapes different kinds of rape Mm -hmm. like okay date rapes and marital rapes rapes and and gang rapes and consensual all his these are a few of my favorite consensual rapes rapes, yeah consensual rapes was among them and uh (laughs) what does that mean (laughs) i like i i could see that from the like the the crazy feminist lady that you quoted the the first waiver who said all sex is rape oh yeah andrea dworkin she might say that no, there was no such thing as consensual rape. Well, okay, I could see how she could turn it around. I, I see what you're saying. But I don't no, think like, that's where, where he was coming no, from. No, <laughs> no. He was just talking about all the kinds of rapes, and one of them was consensual <laughs> rapes. And I the fact that like that I'm came sorry. out of his mouth is just like, do you know what rape is, sir? Well, okay. It's I just, I, I don't know, baby. I just, I just feel like, it's been I don't know. it's been seven years now, right? Since Todd Aiken came out with his legitimate rape thing. Yeah, and if it was a legitimate rape, then your body has a way of taking care of that. Yeah. Now everybody was like, "Oh my god, this is crazy! How can people like this, you know, Exist. run for high office?" And now we've kind of gone past that. Yep. Into crazier shit. Yep. No, that that used to be an outrage. We're going to re-implant... That used to be a thing that you would be like, that you are no longer qualified for running for office or holding office, and he did not. And now it's like, nah, let's just put ectopic pregnancy, pregnancies in uteruses and 
consensual rape is a thing and like we're just <laughs> living like I just I don't know I don't know I don't know I feel right and again I'll bring this up again there there was a time when science wasn't partisan right that yeah that both sides deferred to the scientists when they're yes. like we have this scientific question or the yes. scientific problem yes and the scientists said this not, and then we or did we have this policy problem when we need a scientific <laughs> answer to a specific question yeah, and then the scientists answer and we say okay like I'm, I'm old enough to remember when climate change global warming as it was called then or the greenhouse effect actually as it was called acid then, rain was not a partisan thing no like everybody was just kind of like okay look, republicans gotta, ran on being this. environmentalists yeah yeah that's way back and then of course like the, in the 70s and then of course their biggest donors being the oil lobby said this is actually bad for business and then all of a sudden they oh okay maybe Maybe, Maybe science doesn't matter because right. money matters more. <laughs> right. So that's kind of where we get. And then it became sort of a partisan thing in that you had more liberal types and Democrats being like, no, 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 we, we still got to focus on the scientific problem here. And then it, it morphed into this thing where it's literally a partisan thing where science is partisan. Science itself. Right. And the respect for science and yes. scientific knowledge is partisan. Yes. And so, you know, that's that's kind of where and we not are. just about global warming. No. But like even the learning of science makes you like an elitist asshole. <laughs> yeah. And like looking at actual science, it's very I just feel very beaten down. I feel very like overwhelmed and beaten down and just like Oh, well, that's that just, is what they want. I just this week has just been like It's been rough. Ah. An onslaught of just like, um, you know, I think what I'll do right now is I'll read the thing that I think best sums it up. The McSweeney thing? Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's probably what is best for me right now because that's, this is, this is truth and satire. This is what we're doing and this is how we're doing it. And it is from McSweeney's, which as you guys know, is a satire website, which is lovely and wonderful. Um, it's called Honestly We Just Hate Women by Jessica M. Goldstein. As yet another anti-abortion bill is signed into law in this great nation, it's time that we, men, came clean to you, women, about what we're really up to here. You've raised some pointed objections to all of our logic thus far. If we were really pro-life, we wouldn't care about the perilous maternal mortality rates in the United States. If we were really anti-abortion, wouldn't we want to spend our resources on comprehensive sex education and contraception? If we really cared about babies, wouldn't we support paid parental leave and government-sponsored childcare? You know what? You're right. We could argue with you about this, but we don't see the point in that anymore. Your voices are super grating, and it actually doesn't matter what you say because we don't care. We're tired of lying about it, so we're just going to come out and say it. The truth of the matter is, we hate women. We hate all women, literally every single one of them. We are especially disgusted by poor women, who make us sad, gay women, who rudely refuse to be sexually attracted to us, and women of color, for obvious reasons. Even when we look at our favorite kind of woman, rich, white, teenaged, we don't see a human so much as we see a sexy object thing onto which we can project all of our fantasies and desires, and also our insecurity and our rage. We are fathers of daughters, husbands of wives, and paramours of mistresses, but the truth is we do not give a single solitary fuck about any of you, and we never have. Whenever we've looked at you with love in our eyes, that was because we were seeing you for what you truly are to us, 
vessels for our future sons. We're shocked that it's taken so many of you so long to figure this out. It continues to amaze us that you refuse to acknowledge this totally irrefutable reality. The evidence is everywhere, like crumbs after you try to eat one of those Nature Valley granola bars. Have you not seen the statistics on sexual assault and intimate partner violence? The most dangerous place for a woman is in her own freaking house because you know who else is there? A man who will murder her. How many of you do we have to kill before you get it through your girl brains? Is 1800 a year not enough? Before you get even angrier at us, we hope you can remember one thing. No matter how much we hate you, there will always be those among you who hate yourselves more than we ever could. Some of you women are so convinced that the issue here is not what it definitely is, just to be clear, rampant, unrepentant misogyny, that you are actively aiding and abetting our bullshit. You're out there voting to confirm Brett Kavanaugh while insisting that Roe v. Wade will be fine. You're signing the nation's strictest abortion ban into law and citing God to do it. To these women, we say, thanks. We couldn't have done this without you. Also, we hate you. Well said, as always, by McSweeney's. <clears throat> that's how I feel. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how I feel. And I would say that's accurate. I mean, I don't know how else to feel. I don't know how else to, like, process this. I don't know how else to, like, live in the world and not gaslight myself. Yeah. That's, that's it. Well, sort of changing directions a little bit. I kind of wanted to talk about um, <clears throat> or complain about Democratic leadership right now as uh, Bill Barr is full, is basically full on Hannity as AG. Um, and we, uh, Mnuchin yesterday just said, nah, fuck your subpoena. I'm not handing over Trump's tax returns. And, mm-hmm. and, Again, we've discussed it before. There's one sure way that <clears throat> as far as a rock solid legal case um, that Democrats could get everything they're asking for, and that is through starting impeachment hearings. But they just don't want to do that. That has become clear. And I don't know what the long game is. I don't really know what the strategy is at this point. I don't know if there is one. Um, but there was a sort of boiling over this week. It feels, like, it feels like we're doing that every week, though. But but this thing happened, okay. which has been largely unreported, <laughs> but I think is interesting. Um, you know, the Mueller team did a lot of work and and gathered a lot of facts and and a lot of record. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm horribly <laughs> disappointed and not shocked that they did the pussy move and just like, well, I don't know, maybe knowing all the things that they know. And when... Which is becoming harder and harder to justify the more learning and... Right, and when A.G. Barr was just like, no, we're not doing that, Um, and here's this redacted report, and then we have these reports of like, well, he already gave you a thing that was redacted enough but would actually give like a full accounting of what we found out, and they didn't release that. Like, all this stuff's come out. Mm -hmm. This weird thing behind the scenes is going on where the prosecutors of Michael Flynn, which is the Mueller team, is going to the court and unsealing all of the court documents. And that's really interesting because it's a sort of way around the administration. Um, It's a sort of way around the Department of Justice. So 
when you have an investigation like this that you convince a judge should be sealed, the people who ask for it to be sealed are the Mueller team, right? Like the people who are investigating the case. And they're asking for these documents to be sealed to like retain, you know, the integrity of the investigation. And there's no one to oppose them unsealing them. They're the ones that sealed it. No one else requested it. So there's no one to oppose them unsealing it. Mm -hmm. And so they went in this week and just said, like, there is no longer a government interest in having these documents sealed. Please unseal them. And then the judge did. And he just unsealed a bunch of documents regarding the Michael Flynn investigation. And I thought that was interesting on a couple of points. One, it's absolutely a workaround because these are the documents. These are the the primary records of what happened and what they know and why they were able to charge Michael Flynn with the crime and, and the evidence that they used to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And Barr or Rosenstein or whoever, like there's nothing they can do about that. Like it's not the Mueller report, but it's kind of the Mueller report on Flynn at this point. And I think it's an interesting strategy because there's they can just release every document. They can just unseal everything. Mm-hmm. And then the redacted Mueller report doesn't fucking matter because you can just read what actually happened. <clears throat> and there's no one to stop them. And I think that like this, this is an overboiling of like they're getting really frustrated with this idea that there was no obstruction. And so they think the Flynn being the first person that they unsealed and some of the things that came out of that are a reflection of what they think is most important. Okay. Fair, but I'm, I'm reading the stuff that they released and I'm going, and the best you could come up with was, well, we really don't know if it's obstruction. I'm like, this seems pretty damn clear to me. Yes. It, it makes it all the more infuriating that... That he did not indict anyone, or the president specifically. Or, or at least give, <laughs> make an unequivocal statement of like, this is obstruction here. Right. Instead, he left the door open... F- for Barr to do exactly what he did, to yes. whitewash everything. Correct. And then that pissed him off because Mueller, you have to remember, is such an institutionalist. Right? Like, <clears throat> he cares about the institution more than he cares about anything else, even yeah. the truth. And so he assumed that when he gave all of this overwhelming evidence of obstruction to the Department of Justice, that they would do the appropriate thing as they did with Nixon. And when they didn't do that, um, he got pissed off. And was like, well, uh, fuck you. Like, but it comes back to his job was to indict him. And he didn't do that because he wanted to protect the institutions. He wanted to protect the FBI. He wanted to make sure that everything was above board. He wanted to be the person who did it. He wouldn't go down in history for indicting a sitting president. And so he did. Well, he said right off the bat he couldn't because it's policy that we can't. Nah, he didn't say that. Yes, Other he did. people have yes, said he, that. No, he said that in the report. It is there. Oh. It is Department of Justice policy is that you cannot indict the sitting president. So here's all this other stuff. He says it. He says it unequivocally. Well, then I don't know what the point is. <laughs> yeah, that's my problem, right? Uh, you know. I, <laughs> so that Congress will do it? The, so is his position that the Department of Justice cannot indict the president, but the Congress can through impeachment hearings? 
Is his position that the Constitution only allows for the indictment of a president by the Congress? Well, by by not doing anything, yeah, that's that that is what he said, and now people are arguing about that. It's sort of besides the point. Um, Mueller did wimp out, even if you want to hold to that, you know, that policy that you, we can't, as the Department of Justice, indict the sitting president. You could recommend obstruction. You could say there is clear evidence here of obstruction. Yes. And what he kind of said was, well, there's a lot of evidence of obstruction. It's unclear. It's up to you. But it's, you know, I don't want to make that determination. I'm going to leave it to you. Right. It's very, very pussying out. And and, and, and Barr just said, yeah, there's no. The first child. No obstruction. In his family, of a family of multiple people. I don't know that's true, but it feels like a very first child thing to do. (laughs) <laughs> Indecisive, overcoddled. I'm going to let someone else decide because I'm unable to do so. We could look that up and see if Mueller's. The f- I'm first, totally going to do that child. while we're doing this because I swear to God he's a first child. He has to be. Just like can't make a fucking decision ever. Well, he's made plenty of decisions before. He's not some rookie prosecutor. He has certainly indicted people before. He certainly made recommendations, and he's had some. Yeah, but this is too. like the biggest thing that's ever happened in our country's history, and he just was like, can't do it. Not doing it. Not going to be responsible for anything. Can't do it. Passing it off. I mean, he's a goddamn hack-joke asshole. Then why be pissed off when the obviously political office of the AG under the most corrupt president on earth whitewashes everything? What did you expect to happen? Right. Right. Like, was that your plan all along? Well, I'm going to... I'm going to go half-ass and I'm going to, you know, stop short of, of saying anything equivocal. And, yeah, they'll probably whitewash it. But then I can do all these other things and, like, release this stuff and behind the scenes and maybe I'll testify. And that way uh, the job will be done. It's like, is that was really what he was thinking? Yeah. Mueller was born on August 7th, 1944 at Doctors Hospital in the New York City borough of Manhattan, the first child oh. of Alice Truesdale and Robert <laughs> Mueller Jr. <laughs> What did I fucking say? <laughs> you nailed it. Fucking first child. What does it say he has siblings? Is he an only yes. child? Yes. Because if he was an only he child, he'd be... He has three sisters. Yeah, because if he was an only child, he'd be way more ruthless. Yes. First child. Yeah. Yeah. Told you. Anyway. No, I mean, I, you know, I think it's... I think that he's in this weird position of, I thought I was doing the right thing by not challenging the institutions that I believe in so much, by not being the per- he didn't want to be James Comey. I guarantee he's an only <laughs> child, by the way. We can look that up too. James Comey's an only child, but he didn't want to be James Comey and come out and start talking shit and affecting things, right? So he did this thorough, <clears throat> exhaustive but investigation. That, but that's what Comey thought he was doing. Comey was trying to thread the needle. Let's look up if James Comey is an only child. And not be... I guarantee you he's either an only child or he's the youngest. I thought I heard from a story he had like 27 brothers or something. I, I bet he's the youngest then. <laughs> if you get this right, I'm really, I think you're really onto something with analyzing. I'm not kidding. Psychology it's seriously a thing. Man. But <clears throat> no, Comey, Comey tried to thread the needle and not affect anything, right? That That's what he tried to do instead of just. Well, he, he tried to be like. He was like the polar opposite of Mueller in, in that way. He tried to be like, yeah, he, he felt that his presence was necessary to not impact a thing which is like this that's not possible right um it's this is going to be like a crude thing to say but maybe i'll phrase it differently let me come up with a different metaphor um you know that like old scientific observation of like you can't really ever observe anything because the observation itself changes 
the nature of the thing. Yeah, observation bias. Right. That's Comey. He's like, I'm going to try to make sure that I don't impact anything by impacting things. (laughs) And you're like, that's not how that works, man. And Mueller's the, like, polar opposite of that. Right? Um, I got to be as straight laced and on the level as possible. But again, it, it's just, it's really frustrating. It, it is like Comey Redux, like bizarro Comey Redux. Yeah, it is. Like, it absolutely is. They're either too cute by half or, or you know. Uh, it, look, when you put your faith in fucking prosecutors. Yep. To bring justice, that's the problem. Yep. yep. <laughs> look. Yes. When you think that someone who's spent their life trying to find reasons to put people in cages is going to be the savior of you, you are wrong. Well, we keep. What he is is what he imagined himself to be, Mueller, is the savior of the state. Yeah. Right? He's along the lines of like these like generals and people who've gotten involved that they're going to be the savior of the state against this man. And Mueller decided that he was going to be the savior of the state by not disrupting the state in such a fundamental way that it could potentially disrupt the state. (laughs) Great. The state being the problem in this instance Mm -hmm. um, and the state being the person that he's actually investigating. And so in the end, he ends up being the disruptor of the state by allowing this man to get away away with crimes crimes because he couldn't find it in himself to to disrupt to the take, state. To take the bolder step. Yeah. And and so that's what you have. Like, this is when we talk about mediocre white men. This is one of the things that I think that needs to be shown. I don't know that he's mediocre in terms of, like, <clears throat> his ability as an investigator. Well, he, he certainly or, did. He was mediocre in this report. We but I think that. that I think that this goes to show, like, when you put mediocre white men in positions of such incredible power, this is what you get, which mm-hmm. is... This sort of like, well, meh, but uh, status quo is really good for me, right? <laughs> yeah. Status quo really serves me really well, and it always has. Status and quo I really, is a world I understand. And, and it's really served me well. It's, it's made me who I am, and it's served me really well throughout my life, and disrupting it seems really um, dangerous. dangerous, and so I'm not going to do it. And what we need are people who are like, the status quo is fucking bullshit, and I'm going to blow it up. And we don't have that. No. And we didn't have that with him and people who thought that was going to be him. No. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's There's been this thing going around that 900 federal prosecutors or former federal prosecutors say if, if Trump was anybody else, he'd be indicted. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, how many fucking federal prosecutors are there? <laughs> so many. <laughs> and I mean, I, it's 50 states and all these circuit courts and jurisdictions. Ooh, and yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, how many of them are on your news right now? Oh my God! Every it's night. all it's all it is. It's an orgy of federal prosecutors. I said something to my team the other day at work, like, "Why is it that we just fucking love? If you're just like I'm a prosecutor, they're like, yes, then you are the absolute like beacon of all that is good and true in the world. Because we're 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 in this world now where the the lawless president. Yeah. We are expecting the the same system that is that has fucked us." For like, they're our only hope now. Like, right. oh, we need you guys to step up. And and, and surprise, and, surprise, they are they're not any different up. than they were before. They are the same people we've been fighting against 
They didn't suddenly become different people because Trump's the president. Prosecutors are prosecutors. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) you know how I feel about them. And so they didn't suddenly become our friends because the president is a criminal. They just still are who they are. And they are mostly motivated by their own self-interest. Preserving the system And preserving the system that that makes them them thrive. Absolutely. And that gives them power. Yes. And that is what prosecutors do. Now, I don't know that Mueller consciously said, well, I I better not go too far. Well, I don't know how self-actualized he is. Probably not that much, considering what he did. But no, I don't think he was like... Conscious. I mean, I think at a certain level he was like, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to go down in the history books as the guy who, like, you know, disrupted the system. Yeah, I'll do a report that details all the evidence and then hopefully other people who are in. So Ken Starr was definitely like an only child, right? Like he was just ready to just like, here's well, all the things I have to say. And I want to tell you the details of the blowjobs and whether or not the president came in her mouth. Well, Ken, Ken Starr was, right? was ready to bow out. They pushed him back into it. They said, you're but not the conservative. He included details that were not necessary at all. <clears throat> oh, yeah, obviously. Right? No, it was the more salacious, the better. That was the game. Yeah. Yes. And then they impeached the president. Mm-hmm. And now we're like, oh, he committed actual crimes. <laughs> Not just like lying about sex, but like, you know, actual like. Well, that's the stupidity right? of them leadership now is that, well, you know, when the Republicans did it, you know, they got whacked in the, in the <laughs> midterms and it didn't really help anything. And it's like. Yeah, because it was a very popular president and it was about a blowjob. This is much different, but they right. can't they, they can't, can't get past that. I know. They're still living back in 1996. It's so frustrating. Yeah. It's so frustrating. Um, anyway, so. We, we talked about I think, this already. but We did, but I not, think it's interesting that this week that the unsealing of the court documents is an interesting thing to development. Because I think, you know, he wanted somebody else to step up when he was unable to do so. And they didn't. And now they're mischaracterizing his very hard work and very meticulous, detailed thing that he's very principled about. And he finds offense to that. And so he's like, look, I'm going to get the truth out one way or another. But as a first child, he's not going to do it in a splashy way. He's not going to go before Congress or go to the news or do any of that. He's just going to slowly, quietly unseal all of the documents and all of the court records that he had previously sealed to protect the investigation. Mm-hmm. He's just going to unseal them. <clears throat> and that's his Mueller report to the American public is just, I'm just going to unseal all of the documents and then you can fucking read them and you can see what actually happened and you can see what, ha- and it's still this like indecisive, unable to like actually make <laughs> a move thing, but it's his way of being like, that's his mad face. Well, is I'm going to unseal all the documents and then journalists will figure it out and then Congress will take a step. Well, he was supposed to testify before Congress next week. Now that's been pushed back to maybe sometime in June. And I don't know why Dems are now slow walking that too or backing off getting him on Capitol Hill. I, I It's like it feels like they're doing something. Right. I just don't understand what it is. I don't either. And neither does the American and, public. But, but, but I know and my people party are and that's so what I'm frustrated. Of, right. Yes. Because we've been down this yes. road before. Like if there were Republicans, I'd be terrified. Right. It's Democrats. So I'm like, oh, probably nothing then. Yeah, because we've we've seen this movie before. Like, oh, they got there's got to be a plan here somewhere. And then you're like, oh, we actually didn't have a plan. Oh, okay, cool. As usual, we actually didn't have <laughs> our, a plan our at plan all. Was just to wait it to out. Just and, not and hope we win an election. Just avoid it. We're avoiders as a party. Hey, and that's what Obama did. We're anxious avoiders. That's what Obama did. Let's be frank. When Obama knew the Russians were trying to steal the election, 
And he went to Mitch McConnell and Mitch McConnell said, you can't do that or I'm going to say you're 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 trying to rig the election. Mm-hmm. Obama was like, shit. Well, I, I mean, have to protect Hillary the institution and in the I polls. have to protect It'll probably be OK. I have to protect the the illusion that voting matters. Yes. Even if I think it's going to be tampered with because I don't want to be accused of doing something partisan right before an election. So I'm going to let it go forward. Hillary will probably win because, of course, and it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then we'll deal with the meddling later. And it. Uh, narrator's voice it wasn't fine <laughs> it did not I, turn out fine like we we have to laugh because it's just uh, i mean it's we're so our rare PR. yeah it's so it's never been a fair fight it, it's you know because what, you have principled people on one side and unprincipled people on another side you know what it is it, it, it it's a it, democrat versus republican politics has been like this basically the last 50 years the school bully <laughs> says i'm gonna fight you at the bike racks at three o'clock after school Right. Mm-hmm. And you say, OK, well, can we use can we use weapons? It's like, no, we're, it's, it's going to be a fist fight. It's a good old fashioned fist fight. And you're like, OK. And then you show up and, and the bully's got brass knuckles. And you're like, well, I didn't know anything about brass knuckles. Like, what are you going to wimp out now? Right. And like, oh, shit, everybody's watching. I better still fight him. It's not fair. But, you know, I, I don't want to be seen as the wimp. I said I said I'd fight. And these are the rules. And then the bully whips out like a, you know, a, a pocket knife. A fucking and shotgun like, and just like, shoots you in the head and you're like, oh. <laughs> and you're I like, thought- wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. What, not the brass knuckles were one thing. What about the knife? Like, oh, I guess you're chicken now and you're scared and you're going to run away in front of everybody watching. Well, shit, I can't really do that. I guess I better. And it's like, it's always what we're up against. Right. And we still haven't learned to bring our brass knuckles to the playground. No. Because that would be unfair. Every time. Because we said we weren't going to, so we don't. <laughs> and then you get shot in the face. And you're like, oh, I guess I do. I guess they lied. Isn't that the worst thing they did? They lied. No, they shot isn't that, you. Isn't that bad, everybody? They shot you in the fucking face with a gun when they told you to come unarmed to a fight. And you were stupid enough to come unarmed to the fight. And then you got shot in the face. Yeah. And how many people do we have to do that with? How many times do we have to just believe them and think everyone's acting in good faith and everyone are good actors and no bad actors and then it doesn't work well, and then yeah, we're like, the, the, oh, again with yeah. this? Oh, no, I thought you said this. And it's like, stop. And we have to... Bring appear, the fucking gun. And we will somehow benefit politically by seeming to be more virtuous and right. open-minded right. and willing to compromise. Except we're not seen as virtuous. They are. They've also managed that. And this, they've seemed They've managed to be virtuous and also <laughs> liars and cheaters all at the same time. That's right. How the fuck are we this bad at messaging? <laughs> it's seriously, I can't stress it enough. It is the entire war is is fought in messaging. Mm-hmm. The whole battle, the whole war is fought in messaging. That, that goes back to Sun Tzu. Yes. And we just can't manage it because we do fancy ourselves more virtuous than them. And some, so some of us. Sometimes, someday, somebody's going to figure out how good the Democrats were. Some historian will look <laughs> back and say, weren't they good? They're or all better. dead now. They were better. They were better. I don't better. know say they were good. They like, were better. One and, party and, was clearly you know, better. They were really good. And look at one all the good really they did. One party really cared about... Cared we, about trying to save the environment we, and trying to do things. We want what our legacy to be that we were kind of better ethically, but didn't were completely fucking feckless and ineffectual. Yeah. How is that's not actually helping anyone? It's not. It's bullshit. Again, I go back to this. Um, I don't know what Dem leadership is doing. I I've stopped even trying to assume. 
I don't I think what they're saying is look this is a really unpopular president and we were we are on pace to get the White House back and maybe the Senate and we really shouldn't rock the boat too much with impeachment <laughs> because that's so divisive but that's the wrong thing to do politically and morally and just in the whole broader sense of public service. Well, and in the whole broader sense of the stability of our republic and what the future looks like for future presidents generally. Yeah, because even if we do that and we win, then what? That's then, what then you were we saying last week. The then we're the like, game. literally, you just give somebody a couple billion dollars and you can be the president. <clears throat> yeah. Just buy it. Yeah. Because there are no rules and nothing then, matters. You know what? Then 2024 is literally an auction. Yeah. And you're going to have a bunch of people on the Republican side just opening the auction block. China, Iran, Russia, everybody, let's go. It's open fucking season. Yeah. And and while I'm at it, I'm going to promote my brand and get rich off, yes. off, off, off the, being the president. And yep. if I just write the if I find the right combination of jingoism and racism and populism, I'll win again too and and we'll be even more Blunt this time. It'll literally be idiocracy. We are kind of already there. <laughs> We're way down but the like, road there. Uh, that's it. It's just the presidency brought to you by Starbucks and Taco Bell. Right. Of, you know, and by then, whoever. Even, even more of the voting rights will have been eroded. Even Absolutely, more because voting doesn't matter eroded. anymore. The it will, census it will, will have been fucked. No. Yeah. And it's like... It, literally, the entire democratic experiment I in mean, America it, is over. I, I'm not sure what Nancy Pelosi's doing, but, oh, she has got to see the forest through the trees. I, I understand at the most very rudimentary old school, at, but, but, and, and at this point, 20 years old is old school, at the mm-hmm. old school level of thinking like... Gosh, we're in good shape now to get the White House back. Let's not fuck it up. It's like there's a bigger fight here. Yep. There's and a bigger now is the problem. time to be in it. Yep. We have to be in it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, and you know what? If we bring everything to light, which is the plan, we're not going to lose. Right. There is no losing if we do this thing. If you believe, if you believe that... Gosh, impeachment, holding impeachment hearings are so divisive. Yeah, we'll get all this on record and everybody will see just how bad it is. And you think you'll lose on that anyway. That really is pointless. Right. Like everything is pointless. Right. Right. If if, if the country just doesn't care, then why are you doing any of this? Well, then we have to rethink entirely everything. Unless we literally want to become just a a, a corporation. (laughs) I mean, if that's what we want is to become a corporation, then maybe that's what we want. Again, and again, I don't know if this is Democratic leadership's plan is just to put put on the facade as though we're trying to get to the bottom of everything. Whatever. Even if that is true, that's a fucking bad plan. I, I agree. I think it's terrible. And yeah, like now Mueller will release some court testimony and maybe we'll get a few things and some people will leak some things here and there and and it'll create this tapestry without going all the way with the I word and then it'll be fine. And And none of that will be retained by anyone because (laughs) nothing matters unless you make it a spectacle or in spectacle territory. That is right. And so leaking a little bit here and a little bit there and this news report and oh, that thing leaked and whatever, nobody fucking cares. I need... People sitting on the floor of the house being interrogated by AOC talking about this thing in a video clip on the nightly news every night 
for two weeks yeah. or three months or yes. whatever it is. It's a, a fucking spectacle is required. That's right. If you call Josh right now and you're like, hey, how about that test, that Flynn testimony? He'd be like, what are you, what are you talking, talking about? about? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, he just doesn't know. But if there were this court, I'm like, I'm all excited because like these court documents got unsealed and I'm like, oh, my God, this is what they're doing. And if literally nobody, if I called, knows. nobody knows that even happened, didn't read them, doesn't know the conflict. That doesn't matter. We need a fucking spectacle. Yeah. The times we live in. The president makes a spectacle of himself every day. So we have to make a bigger, broader, wider, I-word impeachment spectacle to make people focus Mm -hmm. on what fucking happened. So they're like, oh, that's bad. And we'll be like, it is. And then whether he's impeached or not, I don't actually care. But he, well, he, uh, having he, the hearings and doing something and doing oversight and bringing it to public attention and doing the big spectacle like the Star Report and the Watergate hearings and all of that is important. It's important on its own, regardless of whether or not he continues to be president. It's it's important on its own. I, I wish they could see the bigger picture here because the it, it, let's say impeachment hearings reveal everything: the tax returns, the connections with Russia, the fact that he absolutely should be indicted for obstruction. That goes to the Senate. And the Senate goes, no, it's fine. Right. I, then what? Then, then, then that's then bad that's for what Democrats. you run on. No, it's bad. Then you run on that, and we take back the fucking Senate and the White House. Now, uh, we, we there is no world in which this is a bad idea for Democrats. It doesn't I don't exist. Think so. The world in which this is bad for Democrats doesn't exist, and if they can't see that, we are in real big fucking trouble. Well, I'm very afraid they don't see it. Anyway, that's going to be it for now. We'll have an update on all that and see where this all is in a week. Who knows? <laughs> Thanks, Emily, for coming on the podcast. Yes, please it come back. Best. Talk to us. Um, all right. Irreverent Duo at Twitter, irreverenttestimony at gmail.com. I have been Travis. I'm Rachel. We will not talk to you next week because we no, in California. We're going to be in the desert. We'll pick a good one for justice to replay. Yeah. If there is such a thing. <laughs> all right. Adios.